Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. The following podcast contains explicit language. Monday, you met with the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein. Right. Did you ask for a recommendation? Uh, what I did is I was going to fire Comey. My decision. It was not... You had made the decision before they came uh, in the I, room. I was going to fire Comey. He asked them for their recommendation based on the conversation that they had on Monday. Oh, I was going to fire regardless of recommendation. So there was a waiver. My understanding is that this was an independent decision. If it's possible, would you let me know, am I under investigation? He said, you are not under investigation. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about Donald Trump, the president who is, well, he's the president. And that's still kind of incredible. I'm Jamel Bowie, Slate's chief political correspondent and your host for today's show. It is hard to understate the craziness of this week. Beginning with Sally Yates' testimony in the Senate, it exploded after President Trump fired FBI Director James Comey on Tuesday. From there, Washington was consumed with the details of Comey's firing and increasingly suspicious of the various explanations, which included that Trump was upset with Comey's behavior during the 2016 election, which just didn't fit with Trump's actual behavior during the 2016 election. We eventually learned that this wasn't a considered decision. Trump fired Comey because he was angry, angry that Comey wouldn't back up his claim that President Obama wiretapped him, angry that Comey wouldn't end the investigation into Russia and his campaign. Driven essentially by rage, Trump all but upended his presidency, sparking a controversy and potentially a crisis that's still unfolding. Before we get to the rest of the show, I have a message for Slate Plus members. You should stick around. This week, our producer Jason DeLeon is going to chat with Slate's Leon Nafak about the policy changes going on at the Justice Department. And if you're not a Slate Plus member, sign up at slate.com slash trumpcastplus to get bonus segments and ad-free versions of our show. There's more to come from today's Trumpcast, but first some tweets. Again, the story that there was collusion between the Russians and Trump campaign was fabricated by the Dems as an excuse for losing the election. Comey lost the confidence of almost everyone in Washington, Republican and Democrat. When things calm down, they will be thanking me. Dems have been complaining for months and months about Director Comey. Now that he's been fired, they pretend to be aggravated. Phony hypocrites. James Comey better hope that there are no tapes 
of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press. As a very active president, with lots of things happening, it is not possible for my surrogates to stand at a podium with perfect accuracy. The fake media is working overtime today. Here to talk about Trump's volatile emotional state is my colleague Katie Waldman, a staff writer here at Slate. Hi, Katie. Hey, Jamal. So you wrote a really great uh, cover story uh, this week that was published this week uh, that asked, why is Trump so angry? Uh, And that you note his sort of uncontrollable rage and his kind of general orneriness as president. So could you just like say a little about the argument, a little about the observation, and and then we'll go from there. Sure. I mean, the first the first observation is a very, very simple one, which is whenever you read a TikTok about Donald Trump or whenever you watch him on TV or just whenever you encounter this guy, he is mad. Like he is either sort of peevish and vexed and making indignant comments, or he's by some accounts shouting at his TV or screaming at someone or firing someone. You, you often hear the word enraged. Yeah. Yeah. It's like his epithet, <laughs> enraged president. Um, <laughs> and so I guess the jumping off point of the piece is like, is this normal? Like the leader of the free world is in these sort of tempests, these storms of rage. Um, And that seems odd. And then as the piece developed, it sort of talking about his anger became a way of looking at the question that I feel like a lot of people keep asking themselves, is Trump a genius or is he an idiot? And I think, you know, we're often asking is he playing 11-dimensional chess? Does he have all this strategy? Or does he have no idea what he's doing? And I think what focusing on his anger does for us is allows us to say he's both because he will do incredibly canny things out of anger, but he will also do incredibly stupid things and impotent things out of anger. Right. It's Someone observed once that Trump's greatest political asset is his shamelessness, that because he does not feel embarrassed, uh, because he does not care about the approval of others, he's willing to say and do things that kind of redounds to his political benefit. And you, you're you suggesting that his anger is a similar kind of not genius genius, right? This This quality of his that precisely because it's uncontrolled can sometimes be be very beneficial for him uh, politically. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I love the way you put that because I had never thought about it this way before, but maybe the anger is what lowers his inhibitions, allowing him to do the gutsy move that might benefit him and that right. other people wouldn't dare to do. Right. The the thing that it's sort of difficult here, and, and, and for me, just sort of, and I should say, If you're listening to this podcast, you are well aware that this has been a crazy week uh, in in, um, Trumpology, in the president's actions and and mental state. And I find myself again this week trying to grapple with this question of, is the president a canny operator? Is he purely governed by emotions? Some combination of the two. I have to say increasingly, I, I, I agree that he, his anger is kind of a key part of this. But increasingly, I, I'm of this view that he is all he's all 
impulse. Like yeah. there is no there is no super ego working to like govern the id or rather there's no ego to mediate between the super ego and the id. It's all it's all id. It's all kind of present moment. Yeah. Action. And it's interesting because I've seen this described in different ways. Like some people will say he's he's instinctual, others will say he's transactional, he's reactive. He goes into the situation and he just kind of um sizes it up and reacts to the stimuli in front of him. And they sort of frame that as some kind of business acumen, like, oh, he's not tethered to ideology. Look at how adaptive he is to the circumstances. And my reaction is always, no, that's terrible. Like he doesn't he doesn't have thoughts. He doesn't have beliefs or opinions. He's just kind of like you poke him and like the Trump amoeba like quivers <laughs> and then like something horrible happens in North Korea. Like that's, <laughs> that's not a good policy for or not a good strategy for government. The orange Trump amoeba. Um, no, but you're right. You're right. And and it's I, I think this week it's been especially evident because he, you know, he, he fired the FBI director, James Comey. And at first, the explanation was, oh, well, I got, you know, my deputy AG and my my attorney general, Jeff Sessions, wrote these notes, uh, these memos saying, you know, Comey behaved uh, improperly during the election. And and that's why I fired him. And this, you know, everyone's like, this is obviously uh, bullshit because you had no problem with Comey's actions during the election. And subsequent reporting reveals that it literally was or it may have been. Um, strongly suggested may have been Trump seeing Comey on television, becoming angry at mm-hmm. Comey, and then deciding he's going to uh, fire the FBI director, regardless of what the potential consequences may be. And so, one thing I'm I'm curious about, Katie, is have you given given sort of this this very, I think very apt take on his anger? Do you like? <laughs> worry that eventually he's going to do something much more consequential than firing an FBI director, which is already very consequential. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like out of this sort of like blind rage. rage. Uh, yeah, I think the wrath of Trump is like worthy of its own. Is this like Star Trek? Its own <laughs> like this could like this could be really, really bad. I think. I mean, I don't know, but I don't think that he has a sense of stakes. Like, I think he sort of does what feels good in the moment. And um, one of the points I tried to make in my piece is that his ends are not normal political ends. They're wrapped up in, I think, his ego and his narcissism. And he really, it seems, will do whatever he can to self-soothe, self-glorify, all those things. And if dropping a missile, if starting a war would do those things. I'm not sure that there are, I mean, I hope people would stand in his way, but I don't think there's much in his own psyche that's like holding him back. And I think that's, that's a really great point and a really great observation. And I really like that part of the the piece because we're all accustomed to even thinking of our, our worst political leaders as having some sort of like objective outside of themselves and mind, right? Like plenty of people, uh, strongly disliked George W. Bush, but they strongly disliked him in part because they recognized that he had an aim in mind and they did not mm-hmm. like that aim. Uh, they did not like nation building or they did not like tax cuts or whatever. Uh, but I've been, you know, I've been observing Trump for a while now and so have you. And as far as I can tell, there really is only this insatiable need to satisfy his like 
personal esteem, his like yeah. self of himself, his sense of himself. And I've just, I've never, like I've never encountered a human being like that before. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so crazy about it. It's like first you kind of uh, experience the shock that this person exists and then you experience the secondary shock that this person is our president right. and somehow has been elevated to the highest office in the land <laughs> as this like very sort of malformed specimen of <laughs> yeah ma- malformed it's exactly right it just um, and i it's it, i always i'm always like wary of, of psychoanalyzing political figures but like you, a you can't avoid it with donald trump b it, it's of um, immense consequence for like the country's direction and future and see it's just so fascinating yeah right it's just so someone someone who just today on friday friday morning uh the president tweeted like a threat at now private citizen james comey that he has that he may have tapes of their conversation and there's no evidence, there's no indication this is true. It just seems to be like an impulsive thing he, the president thought he should say, like as a yeah. as sort of like a weird intimidation thing. Although it's hard to imagine, right, like what would be on the tapes that would compromise Comey and not Trump? Right, right. Like it just sounds like he's saying there are levers that I could pull that you just don't have any idea about because I'm president and you're not, which is like one of his. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but even, you know, that, that sense of like, I'm, you know, I have this power that, and you don't, he's just thinking of it in terms of how can I get back at this guy who has caused me trouble. But when the president suggests that he's been taping conversations in the Oval Office or in the residence, that's kind of a, it's like a big deal. Yeah. And um, I would, I mean, someone, I forgot who pointed out that this could really compromise diplomacy, right? Because right. if leaders are coming in and they think that their conversations aren't private or secure, like that's not <laughs> right. that's not good. <laughs> no, no, it's not good at all. But he has no awareness that his words have like an external like they, they react with with an mm-hmm. external world. And that is that is I don't I don't know if I'm repeating myself, it's just like it's weird. It's weird and hard to wrap my head around and sort of while reading your piece uh, and rereading it, I was like struck by this, by one of my recurring realizations, right? That like, we're like barely a hundred days into this and we have many more days of the president (laughs) to come. And this is, these are the, the kind of observations and calculations we have to make are all have to be centered around the fact that he is angry and rageful and impulsive and and irrational. Right. I mean, one of the things that's so hard for me is I feel like as journalists, one of the things that we're supposed to be doing is kind of weaving together evidence into a narrative, like making something that coheres out of all this nonsense. And some of my assignments recently have been like, oh, look at the way that he uses quotation marks. Look at like the various things that he said he's been surprised at. Like, look at why he's doing and. At a certain point, you just start feeling like I am trying to make a sensible argument about nonsense. Like he doesn't have reasons for doing any of these things. None of these motivations are consistent. His use of quotation marks is certainly not consistent. Sometimes (laughs) it's like to show contempt for the thing in the marks. Sometimes it's to like emphasize it because he believes it so strongly. Like he – sometimes it just feels so existentially – 
I don't know. I, I like have these dark nights of the soul. It's like, what am I doing? What are we doing? There's no, <laughs> there's no logic here. Right, right. It, it, there's, there's no logic. It's like, it's like he, it's like he exists. It's like his mind exists outside of logic. Yeah. Uh, and outside of cause and effect as we understand it. Like I'm not, I'm genuinely not certain that if I were to peer into Donald Trump's mind, he himself would have like a normal human uh, understanding of cause and effect. That yeah. like if, if I do action A, action B might happen. If I say thing C, thing D may result. Like I don't know if yeah. the president gets that. I wonder if that's why some of these like very telling but seemingly not irrelevant, but these kind of small telling details have meant so much to us. Like I'm thinking of the part of Trump after dark, that Times piece where it was revealed that he always has two scoops of chocolate ice cream on his dessert yes, and everyone else has one and he gets a soda and everyone else gets water. Like those little things and like the idea that he is patrolling upstairs in a bathrobe, which everyone latched onto that detail when it was reported uh, by the New York Times. Because like anything more abstract than those very weird concrete details, like just doesn't like he doesn't have a sense of abstraction and you get the sense that it's all for him about like who gets two scoops of ice cream on their dessert. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually a great place to end because um, it, it uh, I was going to ask you, you know, if you have come down on whether or not he is Trump is a, a savant or a clown. But I feel like that gets that's like that. You don't need to answer the question. You just need to know that that for Donald Trump, it's all about whether or not you get two scoops of ice cream with dessert. Which I'm is, happy with that I'm conclusion. With that. I'm happy with that conclusion, too. <laughs> I've been talking with Katie Waldman, a staff writer at Slate. Thank you, Katie, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jamal. That's it for today's show. But one more thing before we take off. Trumpcast listeners, are you following us on Twitter? It's the best place to stay up to date on the ins and outs of the show. We're at Real Trumpcast. That's at Real Trumpcast. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast. June Thomas is the managing producer of Slate Podcast. Andy Bowers is Panoply's chief content officer. John D. Domenico is our voice of Donald Trump. And I'm Jamel Bowie. We'll be back next week with more Trumpcast. The reason I fired James Comey is very simple. He's much too tall. The guy is 6'8". That's very, very tall, and it's very disrespectful to be taller than the president. You know, he's 6'8". No one talks about that. No one. Why am I the only one bringing this up?